This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome to the program. I'm Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right, the podcast carried here on Family Vision Media. It's my pleasure to be with you today, and we have a jam-packed show for you. I'm going to be chatting with you about last night's first night of the Republican National Convention. We're going to chat about that. We're going to get everything that's decent about it and, and just, you know, enjoy. We are also going to be discussing uh, the viewership huge numbers there. Pretty amazing. We're going to go into uh, a little bit of uh, information on New York University, basically saying yes to resegregating dorms there and ushering back in an era of segregation by race. And then we have an interview with Seton Motley of Less Government, which you are going to love Seton. If you are new to the program, then you might not have ever heard him on the radio. Not only does he have a fantastic radio voice, but he is eminently qualified to discuss the Ninth Circuit Court uh, and some rulings that they have upcoming and some that are, you know, where, where they are. It's it's a great thing, the work that has been done by Leader McConnell and President Trump in remaking and reshaping that court. So I want to start off with this story about New York University segregating their uh, their their school there. So you have New York University moving to implement racial segregation in student dorms. Fascinating, if you ask me. Um, Kind of unbelievable, really. Since late June, the Office of Residential Life and Housing Services at New York University has actually been working closely with a small student-led task force to make racially segregated housing a reality in undergraduate student dorms. On July 20th, Washington Square News, the weekly undergraduate student newspaper at NYU, published an article titled, Student-Led Task Force Calls for Black Housing on Campus. They actually reported on the university's willingness to implement residential communities open solely to black identifying students with black resident assistance. Since then, the university has officially given the project a green light, aiming to have NYU's first segregated residential floor established by fall of 2021. So, This goes back to a little over two months ago, uh, this organization of students calling themselves an advocacy group. Uh, The name of them is Black Violets. They created an online petition demanding that the university implement Black student housing on campus in the vein of themed engagement floors across first year and upperclassmen residence halls. In their petition, the group actually argued that too often in the classroom and in residential life, black students bear the brunt of educating their uninformed peers about racism. So black students, the group states, desperately require a safe space where they can escape from students, staff, and faculty of other races. Now, I just want to point out that historically black colleges and universities do exist. They are a thing. And if students wanted to be in environments that were largely of their own ethnic background and you happen to be black, those universities offer that opportunity. 
no segregation required. It's already built in. So at NYU, themed engagement floors, also known as themed engagement communities, comprise a network of theme-based floors located in various undergraduate residence halls, which allow students living on a specific floor to explore a specific subject through various programs and activities planned by a resident assistant. There are over 20 themed engagement communities at NYU with themes ranging from film, literature, theater, technology, science, and foreign languages. All floors are open to all students who request residency on a specific floor prior to the beginning of the academic year. So you can live on the theater floor, but actually be a part of the engagement community on another floor. You just have to ask to live wherever you want to live. The idea that these students are so poorly educated on the history of racial segregation in America, that they're willing to go back to a time that Martin Luther King and civil rights activists worked and some died to end is unbelievable. And it's also an indictment of public education in America. Also an indictment on the parents of these students that they never taught them anything about segregation and never told them that the beauty of America is that we overcame that. Uh, The approval of the themed engagement community open to students based on their race is new at NYU, but it's not the first time that the Office of Residential Life and Housing Services has considered such a proposal. Way back in 2002, an NYU senior submitted a plan to develop race-based housing for African-American students, claiming that such such a housing program would unite African-American students on campus. And in a letter, also said it would better combat racial discrimination. This proposal was eventually rejected by the university after a brief review and discussion, as it should have been now. But, you know, here we are. Despite signs of minimal support from the undergraduate student body, the online petition has garnered a mere 1,105 signatures out of the 26,733 total undergraduates currently studying at NYU. The proposal for race-based housing has been warmly welcomed by the university administration, however. So we know there's nothing progressive about this. We know there's nothing innovative about it. We know that it should not be permitted, not because people shouldn't be allowed to live together, but because the idea that the black students can have an engagement themed floor for their ethnic background and white students can't do that. Chinese students can't do that, but black students can is just a furtherance of the idea that blacks are special, but not in a good way, in a bad way, because we're allowed to practice racial segregation while other ethnic backgrounds cannot. And everything has to be kind of dumbed down for blacks. If you don't know already, if you're new to the program, I happen to be permanently tanned. and This is utterly ridiculous. The link is in the show notes on the program. If you go to listen.stacyontheright.com, all of the podcasts are there. And you can check out this story. I, I'm, I'm appalled. And I think it's utterly shameful, but it's the truth and it's what's happening and we've got to do something to stop it. So with that, uh, I want to, I want to go a little bit further here. Um, And I also want to direct you over to familyvisionmedia.org, familyvisionmedia.org. You'll love the content that we have there. We have our discussion guides. Um, They're basically for you to download and maybe print or share with anyone that you feel might be benefited by the information And we have two guides so far, one on how to talk to your college students about indoctrination and how to talk to your high schoolers about indoctrination. So let's turn to uh, the, the RNC. First off, it was so upbeat 
so fun. So much of what we're looking for in the way of uh, a great positive outlook on America. The stories, the people who spoke, really, really just uh, inspiring. I felt like as I was watching it, there were things transpiring there that made it worth it to actually spend my time watching it. Uh, And so tonight, we'll be doing some breaking coverage on Sirius XM, and I'm going to get to guest co-host with Andrew Wilkow. We'll be uh, basically covering the RNC night two and night three, tonight and tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic. So first of all, I don't know if you caught any of it, but there was this wonderful speech by Kim Klasik, very short, very to the point. She explained why she's running for the late Elijah Cummings congressional seat in Baltimore. And she said, quote, the Democrats have controlled my city, Charm City, for over 50 years, and they've run this beautiful place into the ground, abandoned buildings, liquor stores on every corner, drug addicts and guns on the street. That is now the norm for many neighborhoods. Uh, There was a speech by Herschel Walker, a football great, and he shared about his personal experience having a 37-year friendship with President Donald Trump. He said, quote, I take it as a personal insult that people would think I would have a 37-year friendship with a racist, end quote. He says, growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Vernon Jones, who is a lifelong Democrat in the Georgia General Assembly, actually took the uh, the Democrats to task. I mean, he really laid into them in such the sweetest fashion. That is exactly what happened. It was a fantastic evening of speeches, and it just made all of the sense in the world to have him there doing what he does best, which is offering his opinions regardless of his political background or his his race. So uh, lastly, it was Tim Scott. And there were other speakers, obviously, but I'm speaking about the black speakers that were on the stage last night, because obviously Democrats want everyone to think that if you're black, you can't possibly support President Trump. Yet here are these amazing, varied you know, backgrounds, just amazing people speaking about their support of not just the president, but the agenda that he's put forward. So you have Senator Tim Scott, from South Carolina, talking about his family going from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. It was inspiring. So it was very exciting. Uh, and that kind of takes us over to another interesting development, which was the ratings. Unbelievable ratings from last night. The C-SPAN live stream of night one of the Republican National Convention garnered 440,000 views, which was a major increase over the start of the Democratic National Convention a week ago that drew just 76,000 views. So uh, these numbers are in ahead of traditional TV ratings from Nielsen Media Research. Those won't be released until tomorrow afternoon, according to reporting from TheHill.com. But roughly 18.7 million people watched the first night of the virtual DNC from Milwaukee and Wilmington, Delaware. And we'll see what those numbers are, uh, you know, coming in for the Republicans Amazon users actually had to search the term Republican National Convention to find any RNC content because Amazon just didn't put it up. And now Amazon Prime Video live streamed all four nights of the DNC, but didn't offer a live stream of the RNC on Monday night. Just to let you see how absolutely unfair and lopsided our coverage is. Um, from just, you know, Amazon, which, I mean, doesn't everybody in America have an Amazon Prime account? Unbelievable. Amazon users had to search. In addition, Fox News received criticism for cutting away from the RNC coverage several times during the event, according to Breitbart News. And um, Hannity and friends talked over half of Steve Scalise's speech. 
um, muting him at the RNC while they babbled, which was, uh, uh, that's a quote from media analyst Mark Dice. He tweeted that out. He, he was upset about that. Um, the place to watch it is C-SPAN. One American News was actually bragging about the fact that they didn't cut away at all. They covered it in its entirety and you could hear it without any interruption. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. So what I'm going to do now is cut away for a quick news break. When we get back, we'll have Seton Motley of lessgovernment.org. Stay there. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. The father of Jacob Blake, the man shot in the back by police in Wisconsin on Sunday, says his son is paralyzed from the waist down in hospital. Overnight, protesters and police clashed in the Wisconsin city of Kenosha, where the shooting occurred. Our U.S. correspondent Will Denzelo reports. Speaking to the Chicago Sun-Times, Jacob Blake's father said there were eight holes in his son's body and that it's unclear if the paralysis from the waist down is permanent. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who's representing the Blake family, told ABC News Jacob will require further operations. Video of the incident shows Blake, a 29-year-old black man, walking towards a car door with two officers pointing guns at his back. A number of gunshots are heard when he opens the car door with an officer tugging at Blake's shirt. It's unclear if the officer saw anything in the car and the shooting is under investigation. The incident has triggered several nights of protests between demonstrators and police in riot gear. William Denslow, New York. Sally Collier, the head of England's school examination regulator, has resigned after uproar over a now-abandoned use of a computer algorithm to downgrade students' results. Ben Kentish is political correspondent for Britain's LBC Radio. It follows what they call uh, uh, interim leadership arrangements, a bit of a reshuffle, basically, at Ofqual, Sheila. Uh, lots of criticism, of course, lots of pressure on that organisation over the way that A-level and GCSE exams were handled. I think there was probably a feeling quite high up in Whitehall that someone needed to lose theirs after what was widely agreed to be a bit of a debacle, really. US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has drawn criticism for planning to make a speech to the Republican convention, which he'll be delivering in a few hours' time from Jerusalem. Democrats accuse the Secretary of State of using official diplomatic travel to make a partisan political appearance. From FSN's Washington Bureau, Nick Harper reports. Mike Pompeo is away on a four-country tour, meaning he's missing the Republican convention. But his speech will be beamed into Tuesday evening's primetime U.S. viewing, straight from Jerusalem. That's problematic, say Democrats and critics, who accuse the Secretary of State of blurring the lines between his official government business and his desire to re-elect his boss, U.S. President Donald Trump. The other keynote speaker tonight, First Lady Melania Trump. She will be speaking to the convention from the Rose Garden of the White House. American Airlines is to cut 19,000 jobs when financial aid from the U.S. government runs out in October. The company says the coronavirus pandemic continues to devastate the travel industry. Tropical Storm Laura has been upgraded to a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. It's expected to make landfall late on Wednesday or early Thursday, and its current track is heading for Texas and Louisiana. It's already lashed Haiti, causing severe flooding in Port-au-Prince. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. I'm glad to be chatting with my good friend, Seton Motley, the president of Less Government. Seton, thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, miss. How are you? You know, I'm always better when I get to talk to you about your latest work. Um, 
So I saw this morning in my email box, and I, I love reading your stuff because it reads like you talk a little bit, and I, I can almost hear your voice. And so you're talking talking about the Ninth Circus, the Ninth Circuit, I mean, um, and that the Trump McConnell judges, the appointments, the, the work that they've been doing nonstop, that it's actually made a huge difference. And I, I'm actually quite sick of the Never Trump movement acting as if nothing good has happened over the past three and a half years. It's as if they've been encased in concrete, um, you know, in, in the basement of some Jabba the Hut like lair, and they've not seen anything that's happened. So let's talk about this. What, why was it the Ninth Circus, and why is it not anymore? I love you. I know. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah, the, the Never Trumpers are just, they're, they're, it's just a traveling clown show. I mean, you, you can't watch half, half of America's major cities being burnt down by the party opposite Trump and go, oh, I'm going to vote for that party. Um, but anyway, uh, tr- Trump, there are 29 judges on the, on the Ninth Circuit. Now, now, for people who have been, again, uh, under a rock, the Ninth Circuit is the largest of the 13 appeals courts in the United States. Um, it's huge. It's located in San Francisco, um, and it was, you know, the, 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 the leftist fact-checkers say it isn't, but it was. For, for much of its last 10 years, the most overturned of the 13 appeals courts, because it's insane. It was, it was populated by leftist uh, activist judges who, you know, imposed their personal policy preferences rather than, you know, impose the law as written. And... There are 29 judges on the on the Ninth Circuit. Ten of them are now Trump judges. Mm. So I, I kind of cheated last week. I wrote last week a, a, a headline that said, "If the if the Ninth Circuit unanimously says you've gone too far left, dot dot dot," uh, because I knew that most people still remember the old Ninth Circuit and would click on it, and they did. It was a very it was a very successful mm. piece. But I knew that. This is not your, you know, the, the, the old line is, this is not your father's Ninth Circuit. They're, they're start all of a sudden correcting a lot of their uh, incorrections uh, over the last several decades. They ruled last week in a Qualcomm case, three day, real quick, Trump, I mean Obama, three days before he left office, sued Qualcomm saying their patents were monopolies, which is like saying Shaquille O'Neal is tall and we're going to sue you. Um, and the, a, judge, a, a liberal judge, it was an Obama appointee, ruled against Qualcomm and with the Obama administration. And then the, 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 the bipartisan unanimous uh, three-judge three panel at the Ninth Circuit said, you're insane, this case stinks, and it's thrown out. And then, of course, uh, there was another great ruling out of the Ninth Circuit last week, which was, um, the, of course, the World Wide Web, the Internet, is a World Wide Web. You can't have a thousand different counties and states and cities setting their own policies because the federal government has to cobble them all together and negotiate interconnectivity with the rest of the world. It's a federal government prerogative. Well, the federal government imposed limits, on, the Trump administration imposed limits on the shakedowns local governments can perform when permitting uh, internet providers from, you know, when, it, when, it, when internet providers go into a city, they have to get permits to dig the roads and build the, you know, dig the trenches and lay the cable and connect mm-hmm. to the poles. And the, and, and the local government saw them as ATM machines. And the, Obama, the Trump administration capped that and said, okay, there's a 5% cap and 
that's all-encompassing. Because what, what they would do is they would tax them 5% and then say, okay, and now give every government office free Internet and TV and build this park over here, and we want this statue over here. And, all the, and one of the things that the Obama, I mean, the Trump FCC said was, if you do that other crap, it counts towards the 5%. And the, and the Ninth Circuit ruled, you know what, that is a federal government prerogative. The, FC, the Trump FCC was operating within its purview, and you, you, you're... Uh, you're out of here, local governments. The local governments sued, saying that they they wanted they wanted to continue the right to shake down internet providers. So that's mm. two good rulings in a week on stuff that has major implications. Because you know, Qualcomm getting crushed hurts 5G. You know, the 5G wireless network that's that's coming, and these. Local government impediments hurt 5G because the more money they have to waste bribing local government officials, the less they have to, you know, I don't know, provide a service. And, of course, this is not just a national thing. This is an international thing because the country that gets to 5G first gets to set the, na- the international guidelines on, and, and, and rules on 5G. And the only two countries in the running right now are us and China. Guess who I'm rooting for? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I can also guess who the Democrats are rooting for just based on who you're rooting for. Um, so, Unfortunately, that may be true. Right. I, well, you and I kind of were in agreement there. I, we think that the left is rooting for China to do it. Now, there's yeah. this, and this is a totally aside, but I just want to debunk this really quickly. For the good of the order, Seton, is, is there any truth to this idea that the 5G towers are mind control devices or that we're going to be embedded with chips and the 5G towers will be able to track no. where we're going? Like, I see that all the time, and I'm like, what are you guys on? This is just about cell service. You're going to laugh. You, you know where that originated? That's, that's actually Russian Internet disinformation. Oh, that's God actual <laughs> Russia, Russia influencing our, our thinking and our political process partly here. No, there's nothing to it. What they're worried about is, you know, 4G going backwards uses big giant cell towers that throw signals long distances. 5G has these antennas that are like pizza box size, but there's going to be a bunch of them in your town because it's called small cell antennas. And what that will do is it will turn inanimate objects into inanimate objects. The road will talk to your car, which will talk to the stoplight. So there's all these things that are going on simultaneously. But no, there's no, no, for the good of the order, no, there's no uh, threat to that being a a health hazard. Um, that's, That's from Pravda. Yes. Okay. And so thank God you told me where it was from. So that's the most efficient way to debunk anything that's going on right now <laughs> yeah. is, oh, you know, that's actually Russian propaganda and people literally will switch subjects instantly. So that, that's true. Uh, thank that's, you for that. That's a diffuser. That's true. Yes. It is. Um, so you talked about your last piece. You're talking about this, this, the two good rulings we've had just in, in one week. Um, can we expect that this will continue because I've, I've, I've been so frustrated with the ninth. Like sometimes I read the article and I literally just have to slam my laptop shut and go outside and take a walk because it's so enraging. Cause you know, people's freedoms are being shut down. Their businesses are being harmed. Like these, these are real people who they end up in the ninth circuit and they walk into, it's like walking into some kind of bizarro world. Only you're awake, you're alive. It's not a joke. It's not a movie and you can't get out. So now that it's been fixed, 
And President Trump will never get the credit for it. I'll give it to him. You'll give it to him. But all of our never Trump friends will drown the sound of their credit out and completely eliminate any opportunity to spread the truth. Seton Motley, less government. Thank you for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Stacey. <laughs> all right. We'll talk again soon. We'll talk again. Find out more about Seton Motley by going to lessgovernment.org. You can see all of his writings there. He's fantastic. I want to say thanks to again to Seton for joining the show today. And I want to encourage you to uh, take a little time away from all of the political nonsense and get a chance in to uh, meditate on some scripture and just enjoy it. Uh, today's scripture is Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble, and we can never forget that. I'm so grateful to be with you and to be broadcasting on behalf of Family Vision Media. I'm Stacy Washington, StacyOnTheRight.com. You guys have a fantastic night. In fact, go be awesome, and don't miss me on uh, the SiriusXM special coverage tonight. <laughs> going to be amazing. 